An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Oh, Episode number 367. Submission number 1119. I had three wives. I had three wives aired on the CBS television network from August 14th of 1985 until September 11th of 1985 for a total of six episodes, including one unaired episode, which happened to be the pilot. And of course, six episodes, 10 less than both the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show and Uncle Croc's Block. And it's the second thing we've covered and the first episode proper that originates in August 1985. Do you want to know what the mini sud we did from August 1985 was? Was it a pilot? No. It was the greatest segment ever. Fuji Vice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this won't be as good as Fuji Vice, just saying. No, but Victor Garber does have three wives. Well, no, 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 no. I'll get to that in a second. After we play oh. the music, I, I will clarify that because oh, I yeah. had that misconception too. Okay, we're going to be technical. This isn't a big love situation. No. Good. All right, here's the theme song. and foremost uh, i want to acknowledge that chico's not here tonight life unfortunately reared its ugly head this week he will be back with us next week chico i hope you and your family are doing well during this time with that out of the way oh boy greg it's usually not a very good sign when you have a tv show that debuts in august especially when what's happening in a month you have the new fall season. So unless your show is absolutely spectacular, you're probably not going to be seeing a second season. Oh, no. And guess what, Greg? This show did not last more than just that initial season. 
the numbers looked amazing. We'll get to all that fun stuff later. But I had three wives. That name, I don't know if that's necessarily the best name you want to use for your TV show. I mean, there's other names you could have used. Now, I know you don't really want to go like Charlie's Angels or or Charlie's Ex-Angels or something like that. But I had three wives is kind of weird. And maybe, in a way, kind of promoting divorce, which really got big in like the 70s and 80s. Hey, I had three wives. Also, I did want to clarify. I had three wives. Not I have three wives. So this isn't some sort of like, as Greg said, some sort of polygamy type of thing going on. No, 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 no. The three wives were ex-wives. And obviously all three ex-wives, they had a copacetic relationship, to say the least, with uh, their ex-husband. Because I know a lot of divorces get really nasty and haven't been down that road, thank heavens, knock on wood. But we know that not all divorces are hunky-dory. Well, I wouldn't know how that feels, because my parents have been married for over 50 years, so. Hey, I thought your dad's, didn't you say your dad's 62? No, my dad's like 73. I thought you said like a couple weeks ago, your dad's 62, it's like. No, 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 the G-Man's 62 years old. Let me clarify. The G-Man is 62 years old. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. I thought your dad was 62 years old. It's like, okay, the math works out because your dad could have had you when he was 22, 23 years old. And okay, I'll buy it. Is the G-Man. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Now that I think about it, you could definitely tell that in the G-Man's voice. He's had a very rough life. He's gone through a lot of, of smokes. Oh, yeah, considering he did sell the skate shop from Skeeter Die, so. But, no, I agree with Greg. I mean, my parents, uh, if my mother was still around, they'd be celebrating 50 years uh, in two months, actually, uh, in June. Good on that. Good on those people who uh, find that eternal love. But yeah, three wives. He had three wives. And I'm going to assume, just based on what I've seen and what I've read, he doesn't have a fourth wife. These are all ex-wives. He has maybe learned his lesson. Stay single. Don't be trying to sign any more prenups. Don't be giving her half of everything in the divorce because that half, you split it up three ways or three times. Take one half to the third power. I'm sorry for getting all mathy and stuff like that. But yeah, one half times one half times one half is an eighth. And an eighth of whatever you have is not a lot of anything. But yeah, the the wives in this uh, show, they're all more or less on good terms with him. And they're helping him solve crimes. This is a comedy slash mystery. So... Yes, hijinks and hilarity ensues, but hey, in the end, the ex-wives help solve cases. Isn't that great? Sure. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'll take your word for it. All right, let's talk about uh, the cast first. And uh, we've got some big names, not just in front of the screen, We've got big names behind the scenes, too. 
First person we're going to talk about is the man himself. Playing Jackson Bodine. Oh, that's a great name. Jackson Bodine. That sounds like some sort of lawyerly detective type in like New Orleans. That's got like a, a, a bit of a Cajun sound to it. Jackson Bodine. Jackson Bodine. Victor Gerber. And the reason we're putting this around this time in mid-April is he was in Titanic. And of course, we have to have something related to the Titanic. This time of year. Because Titanic 2 this past weekend wasn't enough. Oh, thank God you missed Titanic 2. Because, oh God, that was terrible. I can imagine. I'm, I'm glad I caught up on my beauty sleep that night. Well, next year we're going to see Titanic 666. Hopefully I'll find out what happens between Titanic 3 and Titanic 665. That's a joke we did a while ago. Go back and find that's Because when we see Titanic 666, we don't want to have missed any plot lines in Titanic 665. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of when thinking about all the plots for the fake Titanic movies? Like when they had Back to the Future Day in 2015, they did a fake mock teaser trailer for Jaws 19. Remember Back to the Future 2, like the big movie that's playing Jaws 19 with Morty and the hologram? Okay. Jaws made you afraid to go in the water. Jaws 2 made you afraid to go back in the water. Jaws 3D was a new dimension in terror. In Jaws 4 The Revenge... It was personal. Then it was just business. Then pure pleasure. Cyber Jaws made you afraid to log on. And Robo Jaws made you afraid of robotic sharks. Then Chief Brody's grandson assembled a super team of shark hunters. Jaws 10, it was man versus shark versus all the terrors of the deep. Outer space, then a prequel, and a sequel to the prequel. And then a new era in terror began. Jaws started a family. Battled a Russian shark named Ivan Sharkovsky, took a bite out of the Big Apple, and learned about love from a mysterious stranger. Jaws 18 Origins, the mind-blowing reboot. Now, the oceans are disappearing, and to save their home, the sharks must attack. Jaws 19. This time, it's really, really personal. Oh, man, Jaws 1750 Scales of Grey sounds like a great movie, doesn't it? I'm more intrigued by the romance of Jaws 6. Jaws 14 also looked like another good one, in my opinion. But I love it. Jaws 12, and then they did a sequel to Jaws 12 called Jaws 12 Part 2. Part 2 makes total sense. Hey, getting back to Victor Garber. <laughs> Just want to mention, and we've talked about him in the past, obviously, but where you might know him from, he played Jack Bristow in Alias. Yeah, played uh, Jennifer Garner's dad on Alias. Yeah, you forgot her name there. Yeah, because I'm like, oh yeah, Ben Affleck was married to two Jennifers. I'm like, which Jennifer was he married to who was on it? 
Yeah, this is that Jennifer that is on Alias that we really haven't heard anything from for like the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, Jennifer Garner. She's in those Capital One hits. Well, but besides that, I mean, has she done any movies or big movies or big TV shows? No, not really. But she is in the Capital One hits. I totally agree with you on that. And also, uh, he played uh, a number of characters on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And as of now, he plays Admiral Halsey on the Orville and Harry Svensson on Family Law. Yes. And he was the narrator on the slap. That's where we talked about him, I think. That's where we talked about him. Oh, my gosh. Episode 350. Go listen to it. That was a crazy, crazy episode. And I'm going to add one more thing. And this is what I get for doing IMDb searching. He was in a movie. I'm apologizing up front, but actually taking a look at this. It makes a little bit of uh, of sense. He was in a 1999 movie, uh, or a collection of short films, I should say, called Boys Briefs. Well, hold on. There's I, I'm using kid gloves here because, with, with all due respect, that uh, maybe isn't the best terminology. Uh, it's a, a reunion of six short films having homosexuality as the theme. Oh. Yeah, like I said, the name is, there's connotations you can make from the name, but uh, it does tackle a a semi-serious subject and maybe even a taboo, because again, 1999. Oh yeah, people forget. As they are in 2023. Yeah. All right. The first wife we're going to talk about is named Liz, and Liz was played by Shanna Reed. She was on the Colbys, 14 episodes, played Adrian Cassidy, and she played Polly Cooper on Major Dad, 96 episodes, four seasons. Oh, yeah, Major Dad. So she had a nice little career there in the mid-80s through uh, the early 90s. Uh, Unfortunately, hasn't had anything on IMDb in terms of acting since 1999. The second wife I'm going to mention, Mary Bodine Parker. Oh, she got remarried. So she had two husbands, or had a husband and now has a husband. Oh, that's terrific. Played by Maggie Cooper. 15 episodes of Falcon Crest are on her resume. She played Lori Stevens and Allison. Didn't do anything after 1989. And unfortunately passed away in 2016 at the age of 61. Other than Falcon Crest and I Had uh, Three Wives, she showed up on a couple of episodes of known shows from the 80s. Looks like she was on a last season episode of Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones, we don't give enough love to. I'm sorry. Putting that right there. We don't talk about Barnaby Jones enough. Gotta love Buddy Ebsen. Gotta love Lee Merriweather. We talked about Lee Merriweather, obviously, in the past when we talked about the Munsters today, but Barnaby Jones is one show that I feel doesn't get the love it deserves. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I love that opening credit sequence on Barnaby Jones. Oh, that's one of the best credit sequences ever. As my old online friend, the late Blade Braxton of WrestleCrap.com once said, 
it looked like the <laughs> opening sequence to Tic-Tac-Toe. Okay, I can buy that a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I see that. I always thought it was like putting pieces together of a jigsaw puzzle, uh, even though it wasn't really a jigsaw puzzle, it was squares or rectangles. But I can see where Blade was coming from. And also, it needs to be mentioned, since we're talking about the opening credits, Barnaby Jones, a Quinn Martin production. I think they have an entry of their own. Oh, Quinn Martin was the best. Or on certain episodes, certain seasons, wasn't a Quinn Martin production, it was a QM production. Oh, QM. Can't, up... can't use the name Quinn or Martin for some reason. It was a QM production. QM production. And actually, again, doing the research that we do uh, every now and then, Maggie Cooper, Greg, we've actually talked about her in the past, and we obviously overlooked her because this didn't ring a bell. She was on an episode of Manimal. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, it looks like she was on the last aired episode, uh, episode eight. Oh, that's great. Going out in style. Uh, and she also appeared on an episode of previous entry, Magruder and Loud. But also, like I said, she appeared on other shows of much higher quality, much higher caliber. Fall Guy, Gimme a Break, Trapper John MD, BJ and the Bear. You don't miss Sheriff Lobo? I miss Sheriff Lobo. Okay, thank you. The third wife. Definitely the biggest name of the trio, at least in my opinion. We've talked about her plenty. Playing Samantha Collins, Bodine, Terry Copley. Oh yeah, we talked about her and we got it made back in episode 66. This is where we discovered I had three wives. I think this was, yes. Because my reaction was, what the hell was that? <laughs> I was like, I heard the title from Chico. I'm like, what kind of show is that? That's how we find a lot of these episodes, just by stumbling through episode guides and IMDb and doing the occasional dives down uh, YouTube. And also, you guys have provided some episodes. Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Thank you, Lucas. And others, uh, not just Lucas, but he's the one that stands out in my opinion. And uh, also, we should mention, not just We Got It Made, but also she came back, obviously, when it came back in 1987. And related to that, We Got It Made in 1987 appeared on episode 61 when we talked about when NBC started primetime at 7.30. But let's not forget, Remember, she was part of the cast of We Got It Made at the 1983 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade when they sang, and on the same float was Captain America himself, America's ass. So we had the union of the two America's asses on a float at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And also, it's going to feel empty without Chico here with him saying, Say the line, Mike, say the line. What line do you want me to say? Well, here's the line. She was on a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares. Yes. Well, yeah, I, like the whole cast was there. You had America's Ass there. You had Matt McCoy there. It was like everybody on We Got It Made. It's sort of like Leave It to Beaver Week with Gallagher. 
but it wasn't the whole cast of we've got it made and there was no Gallagher. Wouldn't it have been great though? Let's just say Gallagher was on another week match game Hollywood Square or something than that. And Terry Copley was on a week. Maybe Terry Copley could have given Gallagher the watermelon. We can only wish. And uh, you know what Gene would say when saying, hey, Gallagher, what hand are you going to hit that watermelon with? Right. Right. Greg, I'm not even even kidding you. Today I made a revelation about my life. I notice anytime I get annoyed with somebody in terms of like small talk or, you know, not doing business, I notice my reaction to everything like that nowadays is, Right. <laughs> I'm turning into Gene Rayburn in 1984. Gene Rayburn not giving an F saying, right. Gene Rayburn not giving an F in 1984 is now me in 2023. Oh my gosh, the things I realize when I go get an oil change. I'm turning into Gene Rayburn slowly and surely. Oh, well, at least I didn't say to the person who helped me today, you are gorgeous. Okay, after that. Hey, Victor Garber and one of these wives, this almost sounds like a game show. Which wife had this kid with Victor Garber? (laughs) They did have a kid, though. Yeah, one of them did have a kid. Yes, and that kid was named Andrew Bodine. And it was played by somebody that we know and love. David Faustino. Bud Bundy himself. Oh, yes. This would be like an early role for him. Yeah, I mean, this would have been like, what, a year and a half, year and th- uh, nine months before Married with Children uh, debuted. It would have been one of his first shows because he would have only been about 11 at this time. Oh, my gosh. No, it wasn't one of his first shows. Taking a look at IMDb. I'm not even going to count what number show this is. Let's just say it looks like he had about uh, between 12 and 15 credits before this. He was on an episode of Little House on the Prairie when he was six in 1980. Trapper John M.D. was on an episode. Fantasy Island was on an episode. Oh, I wonder if he had a scene with Tattoo. I was hoping you were going to say Snafu. Go see last week's episode, Homeboys in Outer Space. Snafu, played by Gary Coleman. He was on an episode of Family Ties in 1983. And The Love Boat in 1984. The Love Boat. And an episode of St. Elsewhere in 1984. And E slash R, we may have talked about this, in 1984. And two episodes of Highway to Heaven... By no means was this his first show. He's got plenty of credits before I had three wives. And obviously plenty after. Playing Lieutenant Gomez, who presumably is one of the co-workers of Jackson Bodine. This guy, you know, I'm going to say it. He's making a very good case for the Hall of Fame. Not saying he's going to get in next year, but I think he's got a chance. Luis Avalos. He was the neighbor on Kondo. Yes. Well, also, more than just that, he wasn't just the neighbor on Kondo. He was on the electric company back in the day. 
He was an occasional pyramid player. He was the principal on hanging with Mr. Cooper for a season, it looks like. Oh, oh my God, yeah, he was. I wasn't a big hanging with Mr. Cooper person, so that's news to me. Well, all the seasons are on HBO Max, so if you want to watch it. I know where to go. I've got my HBO Max subscription, all right. And we also talked about him previously because he played a doctor on, hey, second mention literally in about four minutes, E slash R. Needless to say, known quantity. And a quality known quantity. And unfortunately, not with us any longer. Passed away in 2014. So those are your mainstays in this show. And with a series that lasted six episodes one of which was unaired, and that being the pilot. Details are very sketchy, to say the least, in terms of an episode guide. We have what we think is the majority of an episode guide. Uh, the episode guide we have from TV Tango has four episodes. It's missing the first episode, but doing my research, the first episode simply appears to be more or less an expository episode. Hey, here's Victor Gerber. He has three ex-wives. They help him solve crimes. Yay. That may be called Till Death Do Us Part. Potentially. That makes sense if you think about it. Going to episode two. Presumably, the name of this episode is Bedtime Stories. Two mysteries confront private investigator Jackson Bodine. Who could be trying to kill his three-time divorce attorney... And why is his son Andrew behaving strangely? Uh, he's Bud Bundy. Wait a couple of years. You'll see very strange. And we have a number of no names in this episode. Playing Joe Jasper is Paul Sand. We talked about him previously because he was on an episode of Erie, Indiana. If you don't mind me saying it, Erie, Indiana was one of the better episodes we've done over the last year or so. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a that guy from that thing. Just taking a look. Uh, looks like his longest run on any show was he played Dr. Michael Ridley on 12 episodes of St. Elsewhere in the 1983-84 season. Oh, and he had a series, Paul Sand and Friends and Lovers, in 1974 and 75, which was 15 episodes. So he actually had his own full-fledged series. It had his name in it, for heaven's sakes. Jeez. Uh, and also, for 11 episodes, this looks like it's the last season of this show. He played a character named Marty on Give Me a Break. But we have a bigger name. I mean, I know Paul Sand is big. Had his own TV show. But this is a big name. Playing Emily. Seal Ward. Oh, Yeah. Best known for Once and Again on ABC back in the day. Once and Again, I see she was on CSI New York for a while. Looks like three seasons. But needless to say, known entity. Sisters! How can we forget? We talk about sisters every now and then on Sunday nights on NBC after, like, the Golden Girls or whatnot. She was on Sisters! Yeah, she was on Sisters. My mom loves Sisters. That was one of her favorite shows back in the 90s. Third episode, presumably titled... Runaround Sue. A wealthy client hires Bodine to protect his girlfriend from thugs involved in a jewelry theft caper. 
Oh, jewelry theft caper. Run around Sue. I get it now. Ha ha ha. Cute. And again, we have at least one name in this episode, one known quantity. In this episode, playing Youngblood, a name we've mentioned a number of times, Howard Platt. He was the captain on Flying High. Oh! I'm surprised that name didn't ring a bell. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this because, yeah, obviously that didn't ring a bell. Uh, the captain from Flying High, I know that was like, what, 350 episodes ago. You know him from this. And if you don't, you need to spend like an afternoon watching TV with me. He played Hoppy, Officer Hopkins on Sanford and Son. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Don't you remember uh, Smitty and Hoppy? On Sanford and Son, it was him and Hal Williams. Don't tell me you don't watch Sanford and Son. I, I do know. Come on. I, I had said my you switch on, so. You're muted. Just the best. Uh, I love Hoppy and Smitty. That's great. Sanford and Son. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about one of my school friends, like, Made his own version of the Sanford and Son theme when he said he knew every theme song. And I said, well, surely you know the Sanford and Son theme song. And so he made up his own lyrics to the Sanford and Son theme song because he didn't know it. It went like this. Sanford and Son, Sanford and Son, it's lots of fun, it's Sanford and Son. That sounds like something Paul Schaefer would do on the fly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Not even trying. That That is not even trying. I'm sorry. How dare he try to offend you? I know the Sanford and Son theme. Sanford and Son, Sanford and Son. It's a ton of fun watching Sanford and Son. That sounds like something Chat GPT would give as like lyrics for the Sanford and Son theme. Oh, whenever Chat GPT like makes a news report or something, it'll have like two details wrong. True story. I had Chat GPT say, write a news article about the entire card from WrestleMania 6. It literally got the results of two of the matches wrong. It just made up its own version of two of the matches at WrestleMania 6. You're not wrong. I've played around with Chat GPT too, and its accuracy is not the best at points. And I'm just waiting for the day that one of my students decides to use ChatGPT for a paper and I just go to them and like, nope, you fail. It's coming. I know it's coming. I can't wait for it. With that anecdote out of the way, we're going to go to episode four, The Butterfly Murder. After failing to convince his father to look into a robbery, Andrew Bodine and Cousin Lucy team up to solve the case. This doesn't necessarily match. I'm just saying. But again, we have very little information. We're working with what we have here. And there's nobody of note on this episode. So we're going to just go to episode five, the last episode we have information on, which we know obviously is the last aired episode. And also, as we said a number of times, the last episode that did not air was a pilot. The last episode is called You and I Know. After revealing he has solved the decades-old murder case, an eccentric scientist suddenly disappears. 
Well, clearly you knew. You had too much information. That's why you disappeared. Looking at the episode guides and information we have versus IMDb, it's all over the place. Because this episode, you and I know, IMDb lists as the first episode, TV Tangle lists as the last episode. So who the heck knows? Runaround Sue, they mentioned, is the last episode. Butterfly Murder, we said, was the third episode. That was the fourth episode on IMDb. Basically, like, shift everything down one, and you and I know the last episode gets moved to the top. So it's, like, really, really wacky. Just putting that out there. So we may be going in all sorts of different orders, and there's five episodes out there. This shows how popular and well-known this TV show is between, like, no information online and very little video online. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But actually, I will mention one name that we haven't talked about is the director of these episodes. Legend, Bill Bixby. The Incredible Hulk. Among other things, absolutely. We could talk about My Favorite Martian. You definitely mentioned uh, The Incredible Hulk. The Courtship of Betty's Father. I want to say Goodnight Beantown. Oh, hold on. Do you know what other show he directed episodes for? What was that? Blossom. Whoa. Whoa. And also, another name that we should add, and this has to be an eventual cover because even though it was short-lived, it was like a really good show. The Magician from 1973 and 74. He was the title character. He was the Magician. So needless to say, known quantity, again, Incredible Hulk. That's all you really need to say. Incredible Hulk, but there's more to it than that. In this episode of Runaround Sue, we do have one quasi-name and is actually in an uncredited role as a pedestrian. We have a gentleman named Bob Parks. I mentioned him for two reasons. One, he played numerous roles on 17 episodes of the 1982-83 season of Trapper John M.D., But also, two, he was on three episodes of the miniseries V, The Final Battle. And in addition to being in V, The Final Battle, he was on 12 episodes of V, The Series. So he was a mainstay in V, if you will. But not just that. How about this? Just in the same line as V, kind of, sort of. He was in many iterations of the Alien Nation franchise. He was on 19 episodes of the series, and then he appeared in Alien Nation Body and Soul, Alien Nation Millennium, Alien Nation The Udara Legacy. So he's one of those folks who is a character in two big sci-fi franchises. We all know how big V was back almost 40 years ago, and Alien Nation was pretty big back in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, even up until uh, the late 90s. And he played a detective and a coroner's assistant on Murder, She Wrote. 11 episodes. Uh, not with us any longer. Passed away in 2010 at the age of 83. So that's the series. 
I mean, there's not much we can say about it. Uh, it was a filler show, essentially. Like I said, it aired five episodes. It aired in the middle of summer. It aired August uh, and early September of 1985 before the new fall season began. So the competition probably wasn't all that great. It was probably a bunch of reruns. Looking at the ratings and the schedule, the ratings started out, yeah, so-so. The first episode, which aired uh, August 14th of 1985, it had a 12.8 rating. Now, mind you, if it was a 12.8 rating nowadays, it would be on for six seasons, along with Scorch and Homeboys in Outer Space. But in 1985... That gets you like in the mid to low 20s. And that's actually uh, the number I have. Uh, there were actually uh, a number of shows that uh, premiered that week. Ocean Quest, I Had Three Wives, and West 57th. And I Had Three Wives was 29th in the ratings. Ocean Quest was 23rd and uh, West 57th was 40th, if you were curious. From there, the ratings went down and went down kind of quickly. Second episode, the ratings dropped one half a point to 12.3. Then the next week to 12.2. And the big decrease between week three and week four, it went from 12.2 to 10.1. So it lost like a sixth of its audience. Not good when your TV show loses like 18% of its audience. And then it ended at 10.5. So, yeah, those numbers nowadays, you get six seasons, or as Greg would say, six seasons in a movie. Was it due to being a bad show, or did the schedule have something to say about it? Well, I've got the schedule here, and I Had Three Wives was an hour-long show. And taking a look at ABC, at least that first week, they had some sort of summer rock and roll special. But on NBC, and I know this is reruns, this is summertime, but it went up against a little show in its first season named Highway to Heaven. You don't mess with Michael Landon and Victor French. I'm sorry. Oh, no, especially Victor French. No, you don't mess around with Victor French. No, you're not going to mess around with the sweet-ass Oaklandese at. I was afraid you were going to mention when he was on Carter Country. Thank you for not saying that, though. No, it was all about his Oaklandese hat on that show. No, you're absolutely right about that. And that was before the Oaklandese were cool. Oh, yeah, that was like pre-Tony Orusa era. Well, and pre-Canseco and pre-Maguire, yes. The third week, the competition was the same. You had Highway to Heaven on NBC, and you had this rock and roll summer action series on ABC. So I'm guessing that's sort of like a concert series, kind of, sort of. Plus also, gosh, there was so much great music in 1985. How could you not show that? Plus also, that's right at like the peak of when MTV is becoming MTV. So I'm sure you got to show like your Billy Joel and you got to show your Madonna and your Cindy Lauper and your Michael Jackson. All of them. Absolutely. But again, you're just not going to beat 
Victor French and Michael Landon and obviously rock and roll stars, but mainly Victor French and his sweet Oakland A's hat. Well, as you can probably guess, and also as we sort of alluded to throughout the course of this episode, there's no video on this. There's an open, there's a promo, but there's no episodes. I don't think really a lot of people were clamoring to record this in 1985 and then have the foresight to say, hey, in 40 years, some guys are going to talk about this on something called a podcast. So we should save this for them. No, no, no. Just doesn't work out that way. So unfortunately, we can't really say much about the TV show besides, well, you know what? We finally covered it. You know, Chico, thank you for discovering this back a number of uh, years ago. Wish you're here to enjoy this with us. Enjoy? Okay. We'll, we'll use that word. But back in the summer of 1985, I had three wives. Well, it might have had three wives. It only had one life. And that's why it became a thing on TV. Don't forget, we're everywhere. We're on social media. Look for us at It Was a Thing on TV just about everywhere. Instagram and Twitter and Mastodon and Hive and probably other social media sites that we don't even know about. No, we're not doing TikTok. We don't need to do any of that stuff. We're not 14-year-olds. However, regarding Facebook, don't forget, we're not at It Was a Thing on TV. We're at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And also YouTube. We got a channel there. We've got everything up there. Almost everything. Because I slowly posted the episodes because it's dependent on my work schedule and everything. And yeah, sometimes the rendering takes forever on Vegas. But there's that option if you don't have a dedicated podcast player or if you don't want to listen to it on the website. Oh, we didn't even mention the website. It was a thing on TV.com, naturally. Go to YouTube. And we do have curated playlists. So if you're looking for a certain type of episode, boom, go to the playlist. We've got them right there for you. And obviously, when you go to YouTube, please don't forget, subscribe, hit the notification bell, stay up to date with our updated releases, and among the things that you'll find eventually on YouTube, include the next episode. And the next episode, we have a bit of an occasion coming up. Not really a holiday per se, but a very important day when it comes to baseball history. Which, as of the time you're hearing this, most likely, is Saturday. It's going to be the 76th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. And one of those things that we've stumbled upon over time is an after-school special about Jackie Robinson. And it happens to be on YouTube. So it's like a match made in heaven. There's this after-school special. Hey, we don't have to do any sort of assumptions or speculation about what happened. The video is actually on YouTube. And we're going to talk about that after-school special right here on the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. As always, thank you to Greg. And in absentia, thank you to Chico. And as always, thank you for listening. We will catch you later this week with the next installment of It Was a Thing on TV. Please have yourself a great rest of the day. Greg. Wow! 
Some men succeed by marrying rich. Others do it by divorcing smart. Meet a smart with three ex-wives. Occupational hazard. Who are his reluctant partners in crime solving. I prefer to think of it as thrice blessed. I had three wives. Coming soon.